great. Uh, God is a way maker, miracle worker. I love that part that even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. Um, we can forget that. You know, we can see things or, or not see things or, or feel like we're, we're waiting to feel something and we don't feel something and we're like, God, where are you? But even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, he's working. Um, and, and, you know, last week we talked about Abraham, right? Like he, <laughs> he knew something was supposed to happen, but he didn't see it. He didn't feel anything happening. <laughs> like his wife didn't feel anything happening. There's nothing growing inside. Um, but, but God was working and he remained faithful. And so we are encouraged through his example to remain faithful, to believe even when we don't see it. Amen. Well, I'm glad you are all here with us today. I'm glad that you junior hires can, uh, can be with us. Uh, we've been studying the book of Romans. And uh, when we first started this book of Romans, uh, this letter that Paul wrote to the Romans, uh, we, we went through a list of verses known as Romans Road to Salvation. And for the first few weeks, we were reading through them, trying to memorize them, or at least become very familiar with them, because as we learn these verses, it can help us to um, have a, a good way to, to explain the gospel, to, to be able to fully define what it means to, well, for one, what, what, we're, what our condition is as a human, that we're sinful and that we need a Savior, and then God's way of making us right with Him and the result of that. So um, I thought it's been a few weeks since we've done that, so I thought let's go ahead and just as a refresher and kind of a reminder of the overarching theme of Romans, just go ahead and look through those verses one more time. Thank you, Scott. So the first verse in Romans Road was, Romans 3.23, it says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Sin is anything that's opposed to the character and nature of God. Not one of us can say that we have never sinned. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There are no uh, little sins or white lies. We can't say that I'm not nearly as bad as somebody else and therefore God won't punish me. Sin separates us from God. And because we're separated from him, because God is the source of life, the consequence is sin. Um, that is, or sorry, the consequence is death. That's the, con that's the result of our sin. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God loved us so much that even when we were rejecting him, even when we were dishonoring him, he paid the penalty of death for us. But in order for that penalty or that payment to be applied to our debt, we have to receive it. And so the next verse in our list is Romans 10, 9 through 10, which says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Last week, uh, I mentioned we saw how Abraham was an example to us of our faith. It was recorded way back in Genesis 15 that it was because of his faith that he believed in the promises that God gave him that he was counted as righteous. 
And now it is by our faith in the Son of God, in Jesus, who was the promised child to Abraham, the one that God promised Abraham would bring, that the whole world would be blessed through. It's our faith in him that we are made right with God and the consequences of sin um, have been removed from us. Jesus took the penalty and he paid for it. And so now, Romans 8, verse 1 so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We belong to Christ Jesus. We belong to him. We've, we've laid down our lives and we've put him on like new clothes. We read about that last week. We can lift up our heads high. We can come boldly before the King of Kings because we've been forgiven. We're now covered with the righteousness of Jesus. It's replaced the stain of our sin. Um, death and the grave no longer have a hold on us, and we now stand in the grace of God as children of God. We stand in the grace of God. So in the first few chapters of Romans, uh, we started off uh, one, well, the second half of chapter one, all of two and three, uh, we, we read about the, the wrath of God and, and our condition. Um, Paul talked about how the law was used to expose our true condition, that we're sinful, that we have, um, we've offended the God of all creation. We have accrued his wrath because we have acted against the very nature of God. The law showed that nobody is without fault, that we've all sinned, and that we have, on our own, we have no means of paying the penalty to make us right in God's sight. And uh, because of that, we're separated from God, and the inevitable result, like I mentioned, was if you're separated from the source of life, the result is going to be death. But then, God, being rich in mercy, gave us a free gift, a free gift that would reconcile us to him forever. And that gift was God coming in the form of man to pay the penalty for us, to suffer and die, though he had never sinned. And he was able to break the power of sin for all time and to free us from death. He had no, death had no claim on him. And he was able to rise again, and we believe in him and because of that we have been made right with god by our faith we've been justified a just god made us justified he made a way for us to be made right with him now why and i've asked this question before why would this great god do this why would he put any effort into a wicked and rebellious people and if we look at uh, ephesians Chapter 1, it says that he did this according to his good pleasure. He did this according to his good pleasure. He did not do it because he owed us anything. He didn't do it out of some sort of reluctant obligation to us. He wasn't forced into it. It was his desire. It was his good pleasure. And... Uh, it was because of his amazing grace. And grace is the topic that's the theme of really the next few chapters that we're going to go through. But it's because of his amazing grace that has been made available to us that was displayed through Jesus that we are able to become children of God. See, God didn't just make us right in his sight. He could have 
just made us right with him and been like, okay, well, we're even or we're equal. We're not, I don't have anything against you, but I don't necessarily like you either. But he didn't just, he didn't just make us right. He didn't stop at just freeing us from the penalty of death. He made us his children. There was a story that I heard this week and according to the, the person I heard it to, they, they said they've checked it out and they believe this to be a true story <clears throat> that there was uh, a Bedouin shepherd. And if you don't know anything about Bedouins, um, Bedouins, uh, they're, they're tribal people. They live around the deserts in the Middle East, um, mostly shepherds, uh, but, but they live in kind of a patriarchal tribal system. They have a lot of the same customs that that they've had for thousands of years. And so um, some of their customs we actually read about in the Old Testament. They follow some of those same sorts of uh, rules and, and laws that we see there. So anyways, the story goes that there's these two Bedouin young men, and they're in the desert, and they get into a fight. And the fight gets heated. First it's an argument, then it's a fight, then it becomes a very ferocious fight, and one of them ends up killing the other one. And so now the guy is standing there, the dead man laying in the body, in the, in the body's laying in the sand, and he's, he knows that according to their customs, there's no wiggle room. It's an eye for an eye, it's a tooth for a tooth, and it's a life for a life. And there is going to be somebody coming after him, what they called an avenger of blood, coming to take his life. And so he fled across the desert and he went to the sprawling tent of a tribal sheik, uh, somebody who was in charge of one of the tribes. And he fled into there and he said, I'm asking for your protection. A crime has been committed and I'm seeking asylum. And that was another one of the customs that, that somebody could take somebody in that's fleeing and they could take them in and offer them this asylum, offer them this, this protection. So the old man rose up and he put his hands on the guy ropes of the tent and he said, I swear by God that I will give you my protection. I will give you asylum. So the next day, the following morning, the pursuers came to the tent and they demanded that the old man release the young man to them. And he said, turn him over to us. And the old man said, no, I've sworn my protection. And he said, turn him over to us. He has killed a man. And he said, no, a word is a word. I've given him my promise. He's under my protection. But they said, but you don't know who he's killed. It doesn't matter, he said. He's under my asylum. And then they said, he killed your son. And, uh, the old man fell to the ground, visibly shaken by what he just heard. But then he gathered himself and he picked himself up and he said to the pursuers, then he shall become my son and everything I have will one day be his. You know, that's what God did for us. In Ephesians, uh, looking at verses four through six, we see the plan and the purpose that his he had by his grace poured out on us. Ephesians 1, 4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Notice it says in Christ. Before the world was made, he knew 
he knew that we would not be without fault. Before the world was made, he knew that we would not be without fault and that it would only be in Christ by the death of his son that we would be without fault in his eyes. Now, would the sheik have accepted this young man into his protection had he known in advance that it was his son that he killed? I, I doubt it. Um, seems unlikely. But God knew that we would be the reason for his son's brutal death on the cross. And he loved us so much that not only were we made right in his sight, but verse 5 says, <clears throat> verse 5 and 6 says, God decided in advance, knowing, knowing what was going to happen, he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Now, receiving God's grace is not a one and done. Here's your forgiveness. See you later. Make sure you have your confirmation with you when you reach the pearly gates. It's, it's not that kind of a gift. God's grace was not extended just for the moment of our salvation. It is a place or a state of existence. As we received the free gift of salvation from death when we first put our faith in Christ, we also received a permanent state of grace. We were adopted as God's very own children. And it is in that, it is in God's grace that we remain in that position. We're adopted, but by God's grace, it wasn't just at the beginning, but we remain as his children by, because we have God's grace that we stand in, that we remain in. Oftentimes thinks that we can think of grace as just preceding faith. Um, that, that Jesus came and God offered his grace by while well, we were still sinners, Jesus came and he died for us. Um, and then after we believed, you know, that's, that's kind of like we received grace and that was grace and now we're moving forward. But grace both precedes and follows faith. It's not just momentary, but it's a continual state and source of power and of peace as we work out our salvation and as we're continually uh, sanctified because we're not perfect at the point that we, that we receive Christ. We're not, we still make mistakes. We still need grace. We uh, experience God's grace when we're saved, but there's more, right? Kind of like the old infomercials where they, they list all the great benefits of their product and they get all the way to the end and then they're like, but wait, there's more. If you order now, we'll double your order. Same low price. Uh, last, last week in our study in chapter four mentioned being made righteous, being made or being made right in God's sight. I mentioned it 11 times. That's the, that's the main thing. Like, we, we were made right in God's sight. We are made right in God's sight. Like, that was pounded in through chapter 4. That's the, that's the main product, right? But, but there's more. Uh, God's... Um, moving, 
there's as we move into the text today, we're going to look at chapter five. We're going to move into uh, just verses one and two as well. We're going to touch on a few after that. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but but mostly we're going to be looking at verses one and two where he describes that there's more to this. There's more in this package deal. We're made right with God, but included in that is one, peace with God, two, a perpetual state of grace, and three, we get to share in the glory of God. We get to share in God's glory. So let's start by reading Romans 1 and 2 together. Not, we're not going to read it together. I'm just going to read both verses together. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. Uh, other translations will say brought us into a place of grace. Undeserved privilege is the New Living Translation. I, there's, there's things I love about the New Living Translation. There's things that I don't. I, this is one of those cases where I wish she would have used grace, but, but it means the same thing. But grace... Um, it's just connected to so much in the Bible. And you, you know, when you read other verses and you see what is all included in grace and the idea of grace, that it's important for us to know that um, Christ brought us into this place of grace where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. So the first thing that we see, which might seem obvious, uh, is that because we have been made right with God, we are at peace with God. This is not the peace of God. That's a different thing. That's separate. We're going to touch on that a little bit later, but we have peace with God. It says that um, peace with that we have peace with God because of what Christ, because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. Um, if we jump ahead just a few verses in Romans five up to Romans five verse ten, it says. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. It says that while we were still his enemies, we needed peace with God because we were enemies with God. We were enemies with God. It's not a good enemy to have. But at one point in our life, we didn't even realize that God was our enemy. Um, I don't know if you can imagine that, that there's a person out there who's committed a crime, okay? Maybe they feel like they've got away with it. Nobody's after them. All is well in the world as far as they're concerned. But little do they know, the full power of the local and state authorities have their house surrounded, and they're just waiting for the word to come to go and raid the house and take the person into custody so that he can pay for his crimes. Now, this person may be completely unaware that they're surrounded. Maybe they're sitting there watching a TV show and they're so engrossed in the movie, they're just eating popcorn and sipping on their soda and uh, they're just enjoying their night. But even if this person thought that they were in good standing with the law or that nobody knew what they had done, that doesn't mean that the law feels the same way. They don't need to know in order for them to still not be right with the law. That's how much of the world lives. They don't realize that they're enemies with God. 
many of them seem happy, enjoying life. But just because they seem to be at peace, that doesn't mean that they're not in danger. Now, the first blessing that we received when we put our faith in Jesus and our sins were washed away was that we were made at peace with God. For those who don't know their true condition, we, as we read the first couple chapters of Romans, um, the law is what that, that's what the law was for. It exposes our true condition, lets us know that, that, we, that we're guilty. Uh, in the case of this fictional criminal, it's like turning off their TV and opening up their shades so that they can look out and see that they're in trouble. Their crime has been discovered, and on their own, there is no way out. Now, backing up a couple verses, uh, one of our verses from Romans Road, Romans 5, verse 8, it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were still enemies, he showed grace. And then in verse 9, it goes on to say, And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Jesus paid the penalty and he voided the warrant that was out for the rest. Now, can you imagine if this person in this house, this character, um, he, he was surrounded, maybe, um, maybe he watches the news after his movie's done and he sees he's on live TV. He sees that there's, he's surrounded, there's cops all around him. He's, he's about to be, his house is about to be raided. He's panicked. He knows that he's been found out. He knows that he's going to get locked up for a long time. He knows that his life as he knew it is over. He re regrets the stupid decisions that he made. And then all of a sudden, he sees on the screen, all the cops turn around and leave. And he finds out later that somebody else turned themselves in and took the penalty for his crime. They took responsibility for what he had done and, uh, and the cops left. Can you imagine that he would just uh, flip the channel and be like, oh, that was nice, go on to the next show? No, there would be rejoicing. He would be bursting with love and appreciation for that person who kept him from having to pay the penalty for his crime. Um, he would want to do whatever he could to try and repay the love that was shown to him, for he was no longer an enemy of the law. He was now at peace with the law. He was now free. Now we have peace with God. We are no longer enemies with him because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done. That was number one. All right. Number two, we receive a perpetual state of grace. Perpetual state of grace, an ongoing state of grace. Uh, we read in verse two, it says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. Like I mentioned in the New King James translation, instead of undeserved privilege, it says, 
that through Jesus, in Romans 5, 2, again, says we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So when we combine this picture that we have of Jesus giving access, if you imagine what that means for Jesus to give us access, and then you think about how by his death on the cross, our sins were washed away. That's the imagery that the, that the Bible gives is that our sins were washed away. And, and then uh, we read about how our righteousness that we had on our own was as filthy rags. And then last week we looked in Galatians in chapter 3, and we talked about how when we're united with Christ in baptism, we have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So you have all these pictures, and when you put them together, it's like Jesus is taking us, and he's washing us, and he's taking away our, our filthy rags, the righteousness that we, that we thought we had. He takes it away, and he replaces it with his righteousness. We've been, we've been put on new clothes, and he leads us into this state of grace. It's like a beggar who's been taken off the streets and been washed up and put on royal garments and brought into the throne room. But it isn't brought, we aren't brought in to this position just as a visit. We have access by faith in which we stand. Uh, some, some translations will say in which we now stand. We, we continually stand in this state of grace. We have access to this position that Jesus has brought us into by faith and, and we stay there. We get to remain there. We receive saving grace the moment we believed, but after we're saved, there's continual grace to stand as children of God in this position of undeserved privilege. We no longer stand as enemies of God, but we stand in the grace of God. So what happens then after, we, after we're saved, after we have received Christ, and then we sin, and then we mess up? That's where it's good that we have this perpetual grace. Um, we don't get yo-yoed in and out of being child of God, enemy of God, child of God, enemy of God. We stand in God's grace. It means that we have this unmerited, this unearned favor, just like when we are saved, it wasn't by works. As we continue our Christian walk, our rightness, our right standing with God is still not by works. It's still not by how good we do. It's still by grace. It means that when you're living a holy life and you're doing all the things that you think that you should do, you, that's by grace. God's grace empowers you to do that. And and you remain a child of God. And then when you sin, when you mess up after you've received grace and you've received forgiveness, guess what? You're still at peace with God because God's grace still covers you. It's still not by your works that you maintain your state of right standing with God. It is still by faith. It is still the grace of God by faith that we are in right standing with God. God still looks at us even when we mess up and sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We are, as he planned from the beginning, holy and flawless in his sight through Christ Jesus. Now, God's grace is way better than our grace, okay? And I'm not just talking about our, the grace that we offer to other people, but 
the grace that we offer ourselves. Uh, sometimes we're likely to try and judge ourselves on our own merits. After we are saved and we and we we know the law, we know what's right and wrong, and we find that we're not living up to it, we can begin to start to not feel good about ourselves because we're not living up to the law, but we forget that God's grace covers that. God's grace, uh, we still remain a child of God. God still sees us as righteous, regardless of whether or not we can live a perfect life. He doesn't, he doesn't expect that we're going to be able to live a perfect life. That's why he gives us his grace that we can stand in. Sometimes if we're doing good, um, you know, we, we, and we don't feel like we've, we've uh, said anything that we shouldn't have, uh, we feel like uh, we've, we maybe encouraged somebody in their faith, maybe we paid for the meal for the person behind us in the drive-through, and we're feeling good about ourselves, and that's, and that's great. But then there's other times that we slip back into something that maybe, maybe we, maybe we snapped at, at our spouse or our child or our friend or, or, uh, spoke back to a teacher in school. I don't know if a kid has ever done that before. I would never have. Um, <laughs> uh, but when we fall into an old habit or maybe, um, you got unnecessarily angry at the little old lady driving in front of you. Of course, you didn't know it was a little old lady at the moment, but, you know, you kind of let your anger get the best of you. You may feel like you're not doing so good, that maybe you didn't live up to God's standards. You may be disappointed in yourself for not doing better, and you may not like yourself in those moments. Sometimes we don't show ourselves grace. We don't show ourselves the same kind of grace that God offers us. Um, but God looks at us with the riches of his grace, and his mercies are new every morning, and by his grace... He has already paid for your sin. He's already paid for your mistake so that we can stand in his grace. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't, that you shouldn't. I mean, when we do something wrong, you're going to feel bad about it for a moment. It's good to feel conviction, to feel like, like, hey, I shouldn't have done that and to recognize I was wrong. But when you recognize it and you repent from it, you need to offer yourself grace because God offers you grace. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. We're not given grace in which to cower or grace in which to slump or grace in, in which to curl into a ball, you know, and feel bad about ourselves. We're given grace in which to stand. When I was uh, young, there was a time that I kind of stopped going to God and try and stopped taking advantage of the grace that he offered me. I, I had messed up and I felt like I didn't deserve God's forgiveness, that I, that God wasn't happy with me. And, and after a period of time went by where I was carrying this, this guilt on my own, feeling like maybe I needed to suffer a little <laughs> for it, um, I felt God speak to me and tell me that it wasn't, uh, that he wasn't upset with me about the sin as much as he was upset with me that I don't know if upset is the right word, but I just felt like he was saying that, that it, it hurt him that I was trying to pay a penalty for something he'd already paid for. God had covered, has covered our sin. 
God has paid the penalty. We don't have to pay for it. We, he offers as a free gift by his grace that we can be cleansed from that sin. And all we have to do is receive it. When he looks at us, even on our bad days, if we've put our faith in him, he sees Jesus because we've put him on like we put on new clothes. And he's ushered us into a perpetual state of sonship and in this continual state of grace in which we stand. So how is this possible? How is it that he, he doesn't see our sin and, and change his mind? It's just like Scott talked about last week at communion. He said, and, and just like the sheik said in the story, I thought it was very uh, fitting that how those tied together. The sheik said, I said what I said. I said what I said. He made his decision. He made a commitment and he wasn't going to turn from it. When Jesus said, it is finished, that was it. He said, I paid for it. It's finished. I'm not going to go back on my word. I'm faithful. I'm not going to change my mind. So now we can stand in God's grace because he said what he said. Grace is not just when you first received it. It's not just for when you die and you stand before God. Grace is for us all day, every day. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. The third part uh, of this package deal that we get with being made right with God um, is that we get to share in God's glory. Verse 2 uh, Romans 5, 2 says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Now, uh, back a year or so ago, um, I gave a message about God's glory and I define God's glory as being the sum of all of his amazing attributes and all of his accomplishments. It's, it is all of his love, his holiness, his righteousness, his power, his beauty, his wisdom, his goodness, and even his peace. And it's all of this that's displayed in all of creation is all held in one person to the person of God. It is the glory of God. And we get to share in the glory of God as we begin to reflect those attributes, as we begin to be used by him to do his work. We get to share in his glory. Um, when we become holy as he's holy, when we learn to love others the way that he loves, when we adopt his wisdom over our wisdom, when we receive the peace of God. I heard somebody talking about the peace of God uh, this week in, in a way that I hadn't heard it before. He said, think about the peace that God has. Like, I mean, like God feeling peace. Like God... God is not worried about anything. God is God has no rival. Like no, he's he's not nothing's out of his control. God is at perfect peace. He's not worried about a thing, and we can have the peace of God. We can have the same peace that He has because we're in Christ. Because we are His child. Because we're loved by Him. And our Dad, who sees everything is in control of everything. And we, even when we can't see it, 
he's working, right? And, and we can have peace because we know that we have a father in heaven who has our back, who has everything. And he's not going to abandon us. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to change his mind. We can have the peace of God. Now, it's kind of, that was kind of a side note, but as we begin to walk in those things, as we begin to walk in peace or we begin to walk in joy or love and we begin to um, have, have God's wisdom and we be able to share it with other people and we, we begin to live a life that is a, a better reflection of who God is, that doesn't give us any right to boast in, in, in who we've become because it is through the grace of God that we are to be, that we've been able to become anything. In uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this. He, 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 he talks about how he, his past of how he persecuted the church and, and how because of his past, he had no right to, to presume to be anything. Uh, you know, he was known as an apostle, and, and he said, you know, I, I don't even really have the right to be called an apostle. At, at best, the least of the apostles. Be, because of what I did, because of my righteousness, which is nothing, it, it's stained with sin, um, I, I should become nothing. I, sh I should have been struck down dead, really, is, is probably how he's feeling. But then in verse 10, in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. None of us have any reason to be able to boast in anything that we've become in Christ, in, in any of our, our goodness. Uh, if it were not for Christ, we would just be stained with sin, headed for death. But it is by the grace of God that we are who we are, that we are anything of value. He says, and his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. He recognized that, that he was doing a mighty work for God, that, that God was using him. God had changed him. God had empowered him. God had made him more and more like him, and he was being used to do great and mighty things, but it was not him. His life was dead in his trespasses, but by the grace of God, he was even alive. But more than that, he was, he was empowered and he was made a child of God and he was given this blessing to be able to be used by God to share in his glory by being able to do the work of God, to, to be able to do some of the, the, some of the things that God accomplished, he accomplished through him. Paul was able to share in the glory of God in his work, changing the lives of the people around him. If we are to boast, it should be like this. It is by the grace of God that we are what we are. Paul was standing in grace. He knows the position Christ has brought, us, brought him into, that he was a child of God made righteous in his sight. <clears throat> that was his identity. That young man that the sheik gave asylum to, uh, and adopted as his son, you can bet that, that his primary source of identity of who he was from that point on was, I'm the son of the sheik. And we, having been made right in God's sight, after we were enemies, we were surrounded with no way out, we were made right in God's sight and brought into this place of grace where we now stand, adopted as his very own children. So, having been given 
this grace in which to stand, let's stand in it. Let's, let's remain in it. Let's remember that God's grace is sufficient. Don't let uh, uh, the mistakes of yesterday stop you from being used by God to share in his glory and what he wants to do in you today. Sometimes we can let those old things hold us back and hold us down. But by God's grace, we can let go of those. He sees us as holy and flawless in his sight through Christ Jesus. Let's stand. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that even though we had nothing to give, Lord, you were faithful to us, Lord. You created us in your own image and you are not going to give up on us. Lord, you made a way for us to be made right, Lord, and you poured out this, this unmerited favor this grace on us. And Lord, let us not forget that, that we are not just saved yesterday and we're not just okay for the future. But today, we're in a state of grace. We are okay in your eyes. We are right in your sight. We are loved in your sight. We're seen as your children and we're seen the same way you look at Jesus as being holy and flawless. That's what you see because he has cleansed us by his blood. We thank you for your grace. Uh, last week I was reminded of uh, Psalms 23 and it comes to mind again today as you think about God's grace being poured out on us and you think of um, how in Psalm 23 it says that, that he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies and he anointed my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Even when we're uh, surrounded or there's outside influences maybe making us feel like uh, we are lesser or we need you know that, that somehow we, we, we are don't have the abundance that we need God sets a table before us and he anoints our cups or anoints our heads with oil and our cups runneth over the, the grace of God runneth over there's no we're not going to run out there's no running out of God's grace amen Go in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ for the glory of God poured out his grace upon us. Amen.